good day and welcome to today's Capital One Teachable Tuesday webinar hosted by NAI SIDA. Today's webinar topic is how to connect with local media outlets, TV, newspaper, online during COVID-19. Please welcome our presenters, CBS affiliate station, WKYT sports director, Brian Milam, and Georgetown News Graphics sports editor, Cal Oaks. Guys, thank you for being here. I'm Jenny Elder, Sports Information Director at Georgetown College in Georgetown, Kentucky, and will serve as the webinar moderator. We appreciate you joining us today. Before we begin, we would like to say a quick thank you to our corporate partner, Capital One, presenting sponsor for COSIDA's Continuing Education Series. As a reminder, this on-demand webinar will be posted later today on COSIDA.com and COSIDA's YouTube channel. Please invite your colleagues to listen and watch the on-demand webinar as it is free to everyone. We encourage you to submit any questions you might have, place your questions and comments in the chat box, and your questions will be addressed throughout the webinar. Here we will start with Cal and Brian telling us about themselves and their media background. That will flow into questions from the Education Committee, which we thought would be a good starting ground for the basics and as we get your questions, we will get those as well. Cal, why don't you get us started by telling us about yourself and your background in the media profession? Certainly. Well, thank you for having me today. First of all, um, as you said, I have been the sports editor at the Georgetown News Graphic uh, since July of 2016. Before that, I spent my entire career at a, a daily paper in northern New England, the Wilson Sun Journal in Maine. I actually started there in high school, so uh, that was a 27-year run at one paper. Held just about every job in the department, including editor, for four years. Uh, covered roughly 20 high schools, a bunch of small colleges, so had a lot of experience juggling those two things. Uh, for the purposes of this discussion, I was also the media coordinator at a racetrack about five years of stock car racetrack. So I uh, have some experience with these issues of, of contacting, working with media, and uh, trying to get our material published, broadcast, what have you. So I've been on both sides of it. And Brian, the same question. I was, uh, I started January 2nd, 1998 in a small station in Hazard, Kentucky, Southeast Kentucky, called WYMT. And YMT covers a lot more than most people think about when you think of Eastern Kentucky. We had in the vicinity of 70 high schools. We had at the college level, uh, U Pike, which was then Pikeville College, Alice Lloyd College, Union College, University of the Cumberlands, and uh, University of Virginia Wise, Moorhead State, touched on EKU. We did a little bit of everything with only a three-person office and really uh, got my feet wet and a baptism by fire, so to speak. I was in uh, Eastern Kentucky for 12 and a half years and uh, moved to Lexington 10 years ago. And uh, I've been the sports director for the last three years at WKYT, where we cover uh, UK is the uh, number one big blue beast, as I call them sometimes, but we also certainly have Georgetown, and we have Transy, and we have Center, and EKU, and Moorhead State, and 
uh, midway and places in between. So it's been, uh, there. there is not a lot of sleep as Cal can attest to when it comes to the uh, months, certainly between August and April. Things do slide down a little bit in May, June, and July, but then we pick it up with thoroughbred racing and baseball and softball and things in between. And staying with you, Brian, what are some tips on making initial contact with media from the smaller colleges perspective? Well, it's just, it's just saying hello. It, that's the one thing I learned being in Eastern Kentucky. I'm from Louisville originally. And when I got to Eastern Kentucky, I didn't know a lot of people, uh, but I had to introduce myself and hand out business cards uh, the way a blackjack dealer in Las Vegas would. I mean, I was handing them out to anybody that would pay any attention. And basically I said, look, I'm from three hours away or four hours away. Tell me about your school. Tell me about anything. I'm, I'm One thing I'm blessed with is a good memory. And I can remember the first stories, the first people that you meet. And if you meet one person, you're going to meet two and you're going to meet three. And that's just the way it's going to go. But I think a lot of times in the social media age, uh, a lot of people just assume, well, I assume that so-and-so is following me, or if I follow them, well, that's good enough, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's relationships that you build. And just because there's a story you might not think is all that great, somebody else may think it just, it's an award-winning piece that has yet to be uncovered, but it's just getting up and saying hello. When I come to a Georgetown college basketball game, and you can attest to this, Jen, I always come right to the to media row at some point or press table and say, hey, 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 uh, just so you don't forget about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we couldn't forget about you. And Cal, from the <laughs> perspective, what's the best way to kind of connect in with you guys? Well, just to follow up on, on what Brian said, I think with social media, with all the different ways you can contact someone today. I think sometimes those uh, lists can become outdated. I would say my, my biggest tip would be to find out what people's primary preferred method of contact is. Uh, people know they can usually reach me in a variety of ways, whether it's uh, my personal email, whether it's text, call, Twitter, Facebook. There are a million ways to get a hold of somebody, but I, the key I think is to find out and it's juggling a lot, obviously, to find out what each person on your list, what their preferred method of contact is. I think uh, from my experience, even on my end, I found that a lot of email addresses are dead. So sometimes you got to figure out which of those need to be crossed off the list and replaced with something else. Uh, I just think that's that's a key is is maintaining that open line of communication so you know you can reach somebody at a moment's notice because obviously with the news cycle being more 24 7 than ever uh, it's really important to have that immediate uh, or, or close to immediate method of contact for people uh, for me if i if i don't know something's going on a lot it's kind of what brian said people sometimes assume you know something's going on um and everything especially in COVID 19 is changing Games get scheduled, canceled. You know, I, I can picture this winter teams being on a bus, going somewhere, having that game called off, and that bus going somewhere else immediately to play a game on 30 minutes' notice. May not happen at the college level, 
what will happen at the high school level. So to anybody who's dealing with the media, say, uh, know how to reach them quickly. And then, Brian, you have a long history. You kind of touched on a, a little bit of covering NAIA teams and even national tournaments. And in your time at Hazards YMT and now at KYT, is there a difference in how maybe a Georgetown, Asbury, Midway, Trancy Center um, approaches you or, you know, the, the TV aspect versus maybe, you know, UVA Wise or Pikeville in, in the hazard market? And if so, what's your advice in the different markets? Well, when I was in hazard, you have to understand also back then, uh, texting, there was no Facebook at that time. <laughs> Facebook started in what, 09, something like that. So I only had one year of Facebook uh, in Eastern Kentucky, one or two. Uh, Twitter was not, was just in its infancy. So there was a lot of things just starting a decade ago or a little longer. So back then it was phone calls and it was texting on the Blackberry back then. And it was doing things we don't do nearly as much of now. Uh, you know, with, with Twitter, you can follow, I don't know what the limit is. You can follow as many as you want and you can get that instant. Every time Cal is at a Scott County football game or a Georgetown game or anything, Oh, there's Cal. He's at that game today. Uh, so things were a lot different back then. You had to rely on people helping you out a little bit. Now you can get a shot of a thousand people at once, as we've seen on Zoom meetings and, and the, the webinar that we're on now. Uh, at Kentucky, following Kentucky athletics compared to other schools, it's really the same thing. But for the smaller schools to stand out, they have got to not do exactly what the big guys are doing because everybody knows that if you're covering UK, Louisville, the University of Florida, SEC teams, ACC, they're going to get a lot of eyes on them. So what are you going to do a little bit differently to stand out? And that may be a simple text instead of or, or a direct message on Twitter, uh, you know, Facebook, whatever your social medium of choice may be. Uh, so and now everybody is in the same boat. And this is the thing that uh, fascinates me. No matter the school you cover, no matter the size of the division it is, if it's NCAA, D2, D3, NAIA, whatever, you have a voice. But how are you going to get that voice to that person? And I think at the beginning, it certainly goes back to just sending uh, an email that stands out. Hey, just this is to you and you only. I want to say, hi, my name is so-and-so. What can we do? What can I do to help you and you help us? Because like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of stories to be told. It's easy to go shoot highlights. It's easy to get a post-game interview. It's easy just to go to a game. But I want to know what's going on behind the scenes with a kid who's overcome a lot of struggles that maybe the University of Kentucky kid has not uh, had to deal with before. You know, they are the higher the school, usually the more tight lipped they are about certain things. So if you want to if you want to be on TV, if you want to get uh, your name out there, hey, just send the TV stations a note or the uh, radio stations, whomever it may be. When I was in Hazard, we were the only show in town. So everybody came to you initially. Being in Lexington, there's three stations here and we are in Northern Kentucky as well. So if you're a Northern Kentucky uh, athlete, 
you've also got the Cincinnati stations. So, but if you're, but I, I just think it goes back to relationships and, and are, what are you going to do a little bit differently to stand out a little bit more? And usually that is direct contact. And Cal, with print media, uh, where you are the sole person covering local mm -hmm. youth sports, three middle schools, two high schools in a town that's driven by a lot of those categories, um, and especially when the advertising dollars are going that way, how does a Georgetown College, you know, grab your attention or uh, work with you best? Playing a lot of games during the high school's downtime now, but seriously, that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, a couple of home games this past week was nice. Um, but you're right, um, and, and you know, I go back to my earlier background in this business. Uh, similar situation had a had a market where there are as i said 20 high schools probably two d3s naia wasn't really a thing in new england but two ncaa d3 programs a, a juco and a lot of times that's the thing to go you know if you have to drop the ball on something unfortunately it is those smaller colleges but as brian said there's there's stories to be told there and a lot of times, maybe we don't have the freedom to get to those games as much as I try to. Sometimes during the busiest part of the year, that's not going to happen. So the contact that uh, that you all can make, regardless of what method it is, to, to get one of those stories out there that maybe I don't know about. And, and sometimes it can even be assumed as you said, with UK, I think there's so much coverage in the UK that if there's a story to be told there, I think there's the assumption that people already know it. And maybe that trickles down to the small college level as well. Uh, but sometimes I could go to every home football game and not, you know, I think of the, the Cody Casey story at Georgetown College a few years ago. The fact that you all promoted that and, and kind of fed that a little bit to us as the local media and we were able to to jump on a little bit where we may not have known the whole backstory, even going to every home football game. So uh, there are examples like that at every college in America. So, uh, you know, and, I, and Twitter is a powerful medium for me. That's probably my preferred method of contact and the way that I advance my own brand. So I guess I'm a little biased in that area. But, um, you know, I, I look at, uh, for example, there was a high school game the other night. Catholic and Covenant Catholic, somebody tweeted a highlight at Sports Center Top 10. There it was an hour or two later on ESPN. And if a high school can do that, and I've seen that multiple times from the Lexington market, uh, there's no reason a, a Georgetown College, a, any, any school in the Mid-South Conference, uh, any school in America can't do the same thing uh, just with a simple quick video clip on, on Twitter. And Cal, you know, you kind of talked about and touched on there the the restrictions of, okay, looking at, you know, you have 10 home games going on all on the same night and having to choose. And sometimes the small college games are the ones that kind of get left off that list. Um, but then how can we get you uh, print ready material, you know, just in my near decade experience in newspaper, how important it was with uh, certain things to get 
print ready things so that it's much easier when you get back in the office at 11 p.m. with a midnight deadline. Yeah, it, it is definitely an advantage, I think, for those in your side of the business who have been on the other side, who, who you know that because it is uh, it is vitally important. Uh, plug and play, uh, copy and paste material is valuable to me. As you mentioned, I'm kind of a, I don't want to say I'm a one-man band, but I do a, a, a large percentage of, of what is the sports section of my paper. I have some help with photography, some great help and on the video side and photographic side, but the copy is 99% me. And so I'm, I'm reliant on that, especially if I have a tight deadline, if, if a game is played on a Saturday and I have to be there or on a Sunday and I have to get it in the paper for Monday afternoon for our print deadline, I may not have time to go back and do all that legwork myself. So I probably am going to be relying on whatever story you all can put on your website. So that means AP style. It means having a familiarity with that. Uh, it means having a, yeah, something that's written in, in inverted pyramid style. So the score and the leading scorers are at the top and then everything else kind of fills in below that. Uh, a quote from a coach or a key player is, is awesome if that can be included. And I think um, also just having your website current, if, if you're maybe your schedule is too tight to have that sort of thing, that quick story available. But if the stats, if I can link to the stats and I know where to find them and I can do that story myself in a quick turnaround, that's that's a valuable resource, too. So I think there are multiple ways to accomplish it. Uh, the biggest key is keeping keeping that website current because I can be pretty resourceful if I can find things easily on your website. And, and Brian, a similar question, you know, I mean, like, let, let's take a Friday night with 120 counties in, in Kentucky and exponential high schools and you guys have all Friday night football and Georgetown has a, a soccer game. What what can we do to get you uh, broadcast ready uh, clips or whatnot so that it's easier for you guys when you get back in the office at 9.55 for a 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news segment? Well, the one thing about TV, and I can't speak to what Cal goes through, but we it's basically a machine gun. Bam, 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 bam. We, you know, TV, you have to squeeze it all in in about 10 minutes, depending on the show, or if it's a six o'clock newscast, we only get two and a half minutes. So, you know, odds are it's not going to make the six o'clock unless it's a, a an important game. Um, one thing I have seen uh, over the last 20 years is when people will send you highlights, they'll send so many that, okay, well, where do I start? Where are the, where are the true highlights of the game? Because if the game goes triple overtime, I don't care what happened in the first quarter. That really doesn't, you have to get straight to the heart of the matter. And, um, you know, there are times when if we are fortunate enough to stay long enough at a game, and it's going to be funny when they say, we'll pick it up in the fourth quarter. Oh, my gosh. Well, what the heck? We're tied at 42 in the fourth quarter. Oh, my gosh. So now we have to cut through. It's like a steak. You have to cut cut the fat off of it. 
get that part. Now, where's the real meat of what I want? And for television, that meat is the final play, the final score, the, the great play that stood out. And there are times when we will get video and it's just so long. And, okay, you, you set, let's say, five minutes of video, but there's no shot sheet. So I don't know who number 24 is for Asbury. And I don't know who number 20 is. Now i got to go look that up. Uh, and, yeah, you're right. Now we've got a deadline. With, with, with the Internet, there is no deadline. But there is for television. And there is for some places that still produce a newspaper, a smaller town uh, newspaper. So to help television, if you have a game that, you know, send five plays. Cal Oaks with the slam dunk, Jenny Elder three-pointer, that made it 50 to 50. And then you go, here's play three, and it's Joe Johnson with the half-court shot to send it to a second overtime. Just give me the bam, 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 the big bullet points, and we'll worry about what happened in the first quarter and the second quarter for the write-up. We'll worry about that after the show's over. And could from both of you, and uh, we'll we'll start with and stay with Brian on this. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see uh, a small college SID make um, with local media, maybe? Um, one thing is uh, for a deadline, for an 11 o'clock game, hey, we were there at 7. The game started at 7. And if you did not, let's say, tweet out the final score with the leading scorers and it's not on your website, well, now where do I go to find it? I've called the SID, can't get a hold of him or her. I've tried to call the coach since usually the smaller the school, the more personal relationship you can have with a coach normally. Uh, gosh, I can't get a hold of him or her. Now what do I do? Do I know a parent? Uh, okay, now we start scurrying and trying to find kids on twitter hey we just won 75 73 okay at 70 oh is the wrong score crap okay um now what do we do it's, it's just getting straight to the point of for tv now i like a great article but for television we don't have time to go through a great article uh, to figure out what happened so the best thing for an sid at a game is have a score ready to go as soon as the clock hits zero, bang it out to however many outlets there are, and then maybe send another uh, a Twitter message uh, or even a text if you do that with, hey, Smith scored, Smith scored 16, Johnson had 14, just straight to the point. And I know that uh, there's one SID that is really a good fella, but I get lost sometimes in the article. Well, what happened? The, the scores in the third graph. I don't need the score in the third graph. I need it in the first graph or in the first sentence. Hey, Cal, same question. Yeah, it's it's similar things. It's, you know, and it gets back to the print ready part and what Brian was talking about, the score being buried, uh, the score being unavailable uh, on short notice uh, because as valuable as social media is, I follow 5,000 people back that follow me. So sometimes those things get lost in the shuffle. So uh, the more, the more, the merrier and the, the quicker after a game, the more I can process, okay, I need to put that on my radar for the next print edition. 
Um, and yeah, just uh, some some schools more than others, in my experience, are, are better with the immediacy of their, their website. Um, I can go on the Georgetown College website within minutes after a game and I can access the box score. I can access the, the DAC stats play by play. That's golden to me. There are a lot of schools that um, don't necessarily do that, or at least I have a harder time, have had a harder time finding it. So uh, if you can link to that through your schedule, through your homepage, whatever it is, after a game, get that information out there. So I can, I can, you can put the major stuff out there, but I can dig deeper if I want to for something more uh, involved for print. Or if it's an out-of-town school, I want to find out what my local athlete did so I can maybe put them in a, in a notebook-style thing or something. Um, so, yeah, just anything that can make it more user-friendly on, on, uh, on a short turnaround is good. And uh, we had an audience question. Cal, how effective, you know, you kind of mentioned over and over again, Twitter, is it for, you know, some of your Scott County athletes who may go to play at Union or uh, play at Alice Lloyd or play at, you know, a school, Virginia Tech, per se. What if they, you know, tag you in a Twitter post about the, the athlete? Is that beneficial or helpful as far as popping out um, as something to note in your paper, even though it's not in the, the local market, it's back home at least for that student athlete? Yeah, it is 100% valuable, and I encourage people to do that. I encourage them, if they don't tag me or they don't even just share the tweet with me in my uh, direct messages or something, just let me know. Uh, I, I, don't, uh, I don't take any offense to people trying to get my attention in two or three different ways. Uh, and yes, to get back to Twitter, I, Twitter is the easiest way for me to at least keep keep tab on where everybody is and what they're doing. So I at least have them in the back of my mind. Brian talked about his memory. I'm kind of the same thing, uh, a, little bit of a, a little bit of an elephant in that way. So it's good. It's an advantage. It's a blessing and a curse. But I do kind of know where every athlete in my area is, at least you know, whether or not they're playing, who they're playing for, stats-wise, what they're up to. So uh, if, if they can tag me, with any accomplishment of those athletes once they once they become aware that I exist and it's on me and a lot of this is this webinar is geared toward okay what can schools do to communicate but it's on us too to to kind of reach out and uh, during those downtimes you talk about you know summer's the rare downtime that's a good time for us to to connect with those schools where we know we have an athlete and say hey this is what you can do for me and 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 what can I do for you to uh, to make it easier as well so it is a two-way street, but yeah, to the extent that schools can use uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, um, it's a lot more immediate than email. You know, anybody that's anybody that's still using my office email to communicate with me is probably uh, <laughs> it's probably behind the eight ball, right? Or I'm leaving them behind the eight ball by not telling them. Uh, there's a more efficient manner. Let me add one other thing, if you don't mind. I was at a high school football game this past Friday, and this is high school and it's not college, but the same principle applies. I am walking out of my first game to get to my second game, and a parent, <clears throat> excuse me, a parent stops me and says, hey, how can I get TV coverage of my child signing this Wednesday? 
And I went, well, here's a business card. Send me a text. Give me the information. You ought to see the information that was sent to me. It's not just your normal high school athlete. I mean, this and the school, for whatever the reason, hasn't said to the local TV stations and the, the Lexington Herald leader locally, hey, check out this kid and all the accomplishments. And he signs tomorrow. And I'm just looking at the text. I mean, he's he's going to commit or sign with either South Carolina, TCU, Texas A&M or the University of Houston. And he's a two time All-American in AAU. He's a high school All-American. And because he's in a track and field situation, maybe some places don't look at said sport as well. I don't know if that's really noteworthy or not. If it's not basketball, it's not football. We're a baseball school over here. Hey, this kid in this high school, and I, and I sarcastically sent a text to the uh, athletic director and said, hey, where have you been sitting on this kid? I mean, this is amazing stuff. And we had a, a local high school kid a few years ago who uh, Dwight Stones, who was in the, in the Olympics for a high jump back in the early 80s. He flew into Lexington to work with this kid. Well, we got the inside scoop. Now we're talking to an Olympic medalist about a high school kid we knew nothing about a couple of weeks earlier because no one told us. And uh, again, I go back to the earlier quote I made. People assume sports people know everything, which we obviously don't. Uh, and things can get buried in an email. I know I get emails from at least a dozen colleges and universities and if that headline of that email doesn't stand out, you may just not even think about that email or skim through it and miss what you really want to see, which is that uh, that diamond in the rough story about a kid whose accolades are off the charts, but no one knows about. It. Yeah, well, yeah. I was, was, was going to say just to follow up on that, you had asked earlier where, where Georgetown College stands in a, in a market like mine, and just to echo what, what Brian said a little bit. Probably, probably where the school stand. And this is probably true in a lot of small markets. Like I follow football and men's basketball certainly more than anything else, in part because of the success those programs have had nationally, and because of the crowds at those games. Now I may not have the time to get to some other sports, whether it's tennis, track and field, you name it. A lot of the ones that you know, just those those are more likely to fall through the cracks. And if you can whether it's sending that resume of that person with something that gets my attention like that or whatever, that is, uh, that's certainly a valuable thing to do to say, Hey, we have an athlete in this sport that's uh, not only doing this on the court, but doing this off it and would be a fantastic special interest, human interest story. And uh, that, that's, that gives me a running start because otherwise I may not even know that person exists. Well, and maybe kind of what I'm hearing and back to the question on, you know, what what maybe some of our biggest mistakes is that maybe it's not that we're assuming, you know, everything, but maybe we're assuming that, well, UK has Alabama coming to town and KYT is not going to want, you know, a reminder that Georgetown College also was playing that day or whatever at home against Lindsey Wilson. And so. Um, can you guys speak to that on maybe encouraging us more that uh, reaching out to you guys is a good thing and, and figuring out a way between you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, never, never be shy about any of that is my advice, um, especially a, at a local community oriented paper such as mine. I mean, we don't do any UK at all. Uh, you know, for a time we had Larry Vaught's column. We had, you know, we, we'd run press releases sometimes. I don't have the space or the time for a lot of that anymore. We, we just realize that honestly other people are going to provide that that's not our, our niche so we're going to we're going to go with high school and with georgetown college and we're going to we're going to ride or die with that so chances are a lot of the people watching this have papers like that in their area um, i'm sure i'm not a lone wolf there so uh don't don't back down don't don't worry about what uk is doing don't worry about what uh, the pro team if there's one in the market is doing uh, just just be you and make your assume that your story is the biggest one in the world because maybe it is you know and if it's not that day if it's not that week maybe it uh, maybe they put it on their list and, and come out a week later with something when things slow down one thing eastern kentucky university has done they're only 25 minutes away from lexington for those who don't know they would have their football press conference on a monday well uk has their press conference on a monday and they realized, hey, we're, we're not going to win that fight. So we have to pick our battles where we can win. And so they called and said, hey, what day would be better? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what? I said, Tuesday, because Kentucky is going to dominate Monday because they just played the big game Saturday, maybe Sunday if it's basketball. You never know. Or they have a huge game Monday night if it's basketball. So you're going to get overshadowed. So why not stand out? in a way nobody else is going to and so they started having on tuesdays at 11 or noon maybe their press conference either recapping saturday getting ready for the next game so that way they can stand out because on monday they're not going to and they realize that now and then it allows us to highlight them on tuesday a little bit on wednesday maybe skip thursday because kentucky is playing again if it's basketball season and then come back around to them on Friday, setting up the game they have Friday night or on Saturday. So it, it's a, you have to, like I said, you're not going to, if you're East Tennessee State, you're not going to bump heads with Tennessee and Knoxville. Mm -hmm. So you have to pick your, you have to pick your, your, your fight. But if you are a smaller paper or a smaller station, you can forego the big school and say look i know who butters the bread here and that's our local community because when you break down the state everybody is their own community louisville is a community and lexington is and, and bowling green and georgetown and that's what i love about the smaller papers and the smaller uh websites because they have stuff that will stand out compared to the lexington herald leader the louisville courier journal the cincinnati papers uh, you're going to get, for my money, you're going to get your better stuff from the smaller uh, schools, the smaller uh, papers, because they do have a niche. Everybody's got one. And uh, we have an audience question here. Do you media members still prefer getting box scores right away or just having the box score posted online, tweeted out? Is that more effective? I think it's a, everything is effective if it is uh, targeted to somebody because let's say, you know, for TV, we've got uh, three college football games that we're trying to deal with. 
We've got some high, now that we've got the, the football basketball transition that we're all going in right now. You might forget about it. Like, oh, oh, yeah. I, uh, what's that score again? Give it to me quick. Anything stand out? Yeah. Smith had 43. Oh, gosh. Yeah. OK. Uh, as long as it gets out and it's targeted. I don't think there's a problem if you text it, Twitter, email, whatever, as long as you do all of them, probably. Yeah, I, I would say it's an and situation and not an either or situation. Uh, definitely the, the more you can, the more different ways I can see it or have it jog my memory later on, the better. Um, it's definitely electronic at this point. There, there's no uh, there's no more paper box score being faxed like it was back in the day. But other than that, any any method you use, uh, even if it's an email with a link to the box score, uh, that I'll, I'll find it. And uh, you guys kind of touched on this a little bit, but we're going to um, kind of zero in on this. Uh, Brian, there are larger markets that, that we have listening here, obviously. And I'm going to look at, let's say, Bristol, Tennessee. And you've got Virginia Tech and University of Tennessee. You've got the Redskins and the Tennessee Titans. You obviously have NASCAR, which is huge in that area. And you also have, you know, five or six small schools and 70 some high schools. Uh, what's your advice for a market like that in, with the TV stations uh, may not be able to come to events, but simply getting something that inside your time constraints that works? One thing that has exploded over the last couple of years is is having schools do their own video. It doesn't have to be the most, the you know, the lighting doesn't have to be perfect, even though the light should always be on your face, never behind you, because then you just see a silhouette. But hey, if so, if if student athlete ABC is over here doing this, why don't we do our own and promote it out that way? Because you are going to with this new era of social media, you're going to hit a lot more eyes than you think. And then if you hit the eyes of the bigger stations, hey, do you see what's happening over there 50 miles to the east? Yeah, well, what's that about? Let's check into it a little bit more. Uh, I think schools should, if you don't have a TV department, find the way to get one. And, and that doesn't mean TV as what you see in the living room. The TV is on your phone now. The TV is on the laptop. The TV is on your personal computer, whatever. Um, find a way to get some editing material and at least initially get out the word. Check out what this player did. We, like Cal mentioned, uh, the Lexington Catholic, Covington Catholic game. It came down to a field goal that was blocked as time expired. The place erupts and everybody goes crazy. And There's a touchdown that wasn't expected. There's stuff. If you can do that during a game, why can't you do that away from the game and do an interview with um, said player? I was watching uh, ESPN. I'm a, I'm a YouTube-aholic from the past, <laughs> the present, anything. You me both. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm what my life was like before YouTube, I cannot figure it out because I watched stuff from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, but then also saw something on Tom Brady, you know, uh, how he came about, his high school coach had him stand under the goalpost. He goes, hi, this is my quarterback, Tom Brady. If any coaches out there want any video, uh, you know, he's 6'4", 215 pounds, this and this and this. Don't ask. Go send it to him. And you can do that with your 
state with your school uh, Twitter account, your personal account. You can do you can grab a lot of eyes initially doing that. Yeah, I would echo those thoughts as well. Even though I'm on the print side, uh, the video gets my attention. Anything you can do, uh, just something to, especially if something is uh, noteworthy and different, and is, is maybe even a little shocking, you know, <laughs> that someone that someone can do or did do, just uh, gives me maybe gives me some ideas of how I would like to get it in print and, and write it in print or just lets me know that it's happening. Um, and any any game that's noteworthy during the season, you know, I, I think of the Georgetown uh, football game. Last year, it was, what, 35 to 7 at one point, and then Georgetown came back and went. That, that's, that's one of those examples of a game that uh, might get any market's attention uh, because it's not something you see every day, a team, a team coming back like that in the second half. So that's a place where – video post-game interviews even uh, would be valuable uh, through social uh, distributed through social media and we have another audience question what advice do you each have for new sids during the pandemic in the transitional time from i've found it's hard to set aside time to meet with local media but i'm assuming it's not too late to build those relationships Yeah, I would say uh, this no better time than this, really. I mean, I, that's one thing I've been able to do is during this time when there there were a lot fewer games, especially in the spring and summer, evaluate where we're at. Uh, what do I want to do when this thing ends? What do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? And uh, on, on your end of things, certainly developing those contacts, uh, finding those people, a lot of times you know who they are, but like I said, maybe you don't know how to reach them most effectively. And this is a great time to, to have that conversation. Just reach out in a variety of different areas, and I'm sure uh, they will they will reply because uh, we're all, you know, I know there was a time where I was desperate for stories, even though there were no games going on. I wondered, is there a story at Georgetown College? Is there an athlete who's, uh, who's affected by this somehow? And uh, there, like I said, there's there's examples of that all over the country, uh, any school in any market. So uh, the extent that you can use downtime like that to uh, it's a two way street. You can you're, you're probably going to be helping the media on the other end without even realizing it while trying to help yourself and build that uh, build that network. It's never too late to start anything is what I've learned um, over over the course of 22 years. And, you know, I'm just looking at my Twitter account. I've already picked up a few SIDs because of this um, that are not even in our coverage area. But it's never too late just to say, hey, I'm so-and-so. What do you think about this? Uh, there are things in the media guide. My dad is a sports memorabilia collector. And he said, hey, see if they have a media guide. You know, if you go to that UK, Alabama, see if they just get me one. You know, okay, dad, no problem. But a lot of places don't do the media guides anymore because everything is online. And uh, I've picked up several stories before that were not in the game notes, that were not. I, I stumbled across them by accident because I read through the media guide. And it's, it, it's, it's things that others knew. I take, uh, for instance, in 2011, 
Center College in Danville, Kentucky. They had six or seven. Now think about this. They had six or seven sets of twins on the same football team. Oh, I mean, that's, that's unheard of. And if memory serves, two of the assistant coaches were twins. I mean, I was yeah. like, okay, this is just, this is ridiculous. And we found it by accident because we looked at the roster and said, well, hmm, they're from the same place. I guess they're brothers and so-and-so. And so, well, look at, wow. Then you start piecing it together. But if you're an SID, in my opinion, you should know your team better than the media. So if you're, it's your responsibility to say, look, we've got five sets of sisters and five brothers on the basketball and soccer teams and whatever. So uh, you can help out a great deal just by knowing your team. Yeah, you talk about the media guide. Sometimes the best story on your team is one line that's buried in a biography of yep. your second string middle linebacker. I mean, it could be – you just don't know what might trigger somebody to, to, to write or talk about in your school. So the more of that information that's out there, uh, even if you think it's small, uh, could be something uh, – could be a cool story. And I also realize when it comes to medical things, some people don't want to talk about a medical situation or a family situation. It's certainly understandable. A couple of years ago, we were doing our high school football previews, and one of the coaches brought in his long snapper. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to work this guy into the season preview? He's a long snapper. <laughs> Turns out he has what's called moya moya it's called uh, that's that's japanese or chinese for smoke on the brain he had this rare disease and it was amazing that only zero zero one percent of the world gets and he had it and i thought wow this is his own story right here he was also because of the strokes he had, had partially blind Holy cow. And then I and I said to the coach, I said, why didn't you tell me about this guy years ago? Because he was a senior at this point. And his long snapping skills were on par with a lot of Division One snappers from the snap to release to catch. And I thought, my gosh, this is absolutely amazing. And it won our station uh, some local awards out of it. And uh, it, uh, gosh, I just can't emphasize enough how many stories are buried because no one either thinks they're that important or, well, I don't really don't want to talk to them about that. Let them make that decision if they want to discuss, you know, they, they've overcome cancer twice. You know, they, they battled through that. There's a lot of ways uh, and a lot of stories that, that I can't wait to, to dig up, but that comes from the people who know the teams a lot better than I do. And an audience question, when you find those stories, what's the best way to pitch those to you guys? Uh, just, yeah, I mean, for me, just a quick uh, reach out and just say, hey, this person just kind of give me the skinny on it. You know, maybe a couple of sentences, maybe a, a photo, maybe a video clip of them in a game. If you've got it, uh, just gets my attention. But uh, yeah, usually it's as simple as saying, Hey, we got this kid. <laughs> I've had coaches at every level uh, say that to me over the years. And, and Brian's right. Those are the stories that, you know, 
awards are what they are, but those are the ones that uh, get get notoriety in our business. It's not it's not always us. It's usually the subject matter. So uh, we're certainly we're certainly eager to talk and write and uh, about those people, but we just have to we just have to know about them. And uh, it's, you're right. Sometimes in this day and age, there's privacy laws or, or issues or whatever. But uh, if you find out that that kid or those parents are, are willing to tell their story, um, please let us know by any means possible. What he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I want to thank you for every, and everybody for joining today's informative session. And a big thanks to our presenters, Cal and Brian, for the discussion and insights. A reminder that you can find this webinar on demand later this afternoon on cosida.com and cosida's YouTube channel. All the links to this will be on cosida.com website. All the on-demand options are free of charge. Cosida is offering three other November live webinars. Next up in the Cosida webinar series is a webinar in two days. On Thursday, join the live webinar for college division members bracing for impact. Strategies for supporting and hosting events in winter and spring 2021. This is part of part one of a two-part webinar. COSIDA will host the same session for NCAA Division I members on Tuesday, November 17th. The time for each of those is 2 p.m. Eastern. NAIA CIDA will return with a Teachable Tuesday webinar in December on communicating with ADs, coaches, and student athletes on challenges the spring semester will bring with potentially having sporting events every day of the week. Again, we thank everybody for joining us and, and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.